So have any of you out there gotten a raise lately? It seems like lots of people are all of a sudden. I don't really know that many you have, um, but apparently that's what companies think is going on. That's what they're planning for. It's certainly not a surprise. There are labor shortages. We've known about that. We've talked about that. We've read about that. Inflation, well, it's at its highest in decades. We all know about the cost of living. So again, no surprise that employers across the country uh, are increasing wages, or at least looking to increasing wages and projecting future salary bumps into their budgets this year. Consultancy firm Mercer's new 2023 compensation planning survey reveals that inflation continues to show Canadian employers budgeting 3.4% for merit increases and 3.9% for their total budget increases for 2023 when it comes to raises. The survey also found that in the first six months of 2022, per capita pay had increased by 4% on average, with the biggest increases in the high-tech life sciences and manufacturing sectors. But those increases, and it depends on the industry, aren't, aren't keeping, face with, keeping pace rather with the cost of living increases we're seeing. So that poses a challenge and an opportunity for both employers and employees. And it turns out the bottom line isn't always necessarily the right thing to focus at. In other words, the bottom line isn't always the bottom line. <laughs> Joining me now is Elizabeth English. She's a principal with Mercer Canada. Thank you for your time. Good evening, Ben. Always interesting when you look into these things, especially given the circumstances now with uh, certainly a labor shortage, we believe, in, in many industries and inflation. So what are companies looking towards in 2023? That's a great question, Ben. So what we found in Mercer's recent compensation planning survey is that companies are projecting to increase their salaries on average by 3.9%. Um, and this is across all industry groups for non-union employees. And clearly that's less than inflation. Uh, so companies have to decide really how to divvy up that money. Um, and we're working with a variety of clients to identify the pockets of employees where they're going to get their most bang for their buck. Yeah, because because I imagine there's only so much money to go around. All employees are feeling the same pinch uh, from inflation running more like 7% than 3.9%. Um, so, so how do companies make these decisions then? Because you want to keep your workforce happy, I would imagine, but uh, there's only so much money to do that with. Right. So many employees are expecting or assuming that they're going to get inflationary level salary increases next year. Uh, and it's really important that companies start managing employee expectations now. So companies need to own their story around compensation. And now is normally their chance to prepare because most companies give their increases uh, January, February, March and April. Um, organizations also have to look at how transparent they want to be. Uh, and make sure that leaders have the right tools. Uh, but when companies divvy up their, the pool of money, uh, the three places we recommend that they spend a little more attention to and a little bit more money would be their hourly workers, uh, the workers that have been high-performing, loyal, and tenured, and then the third group is equity issues from when companies have brought in new hires at higher salaries than the people who have been there already. Yeah, that can always cause a certain amount of discontent within the ranks, I'm sure. You went out to find out, uh, just to track back a bit to the actual survey, because I thought it was interesting, you went out and figured out what, this is pretty much across the country this is happening, but I noticed certain areas, the, the expectations for wage increases were higher than in others, and you know, sort of Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, and I'm wondering why that was. 
Yeah, so in our survey, we ask organizations to project their salary increase budgets, and then we splice it based on industry and geography. Um, so not surprisingly, we often see slightly higher numbers in Calgary and Edmonton, uh, Manitoba and Vancouver. And it partly just reflects the makeup of companies that are headquartered there. Um, so a big energy presence, um, lots of high tech companies in Vancouver. Um, and we're also projecting um, a, a pretty high increase in greater Montreal at 4.5%, um, which it, we don't typically see Montreal leading the way, but this year we do. Why might that be? I mean, I would imagine that companies right across the country are facing the, exactly the same pressures, but we're seeing slightly different reactions, I guess, depending on where they are and, and, and depending on industries, obviously. Exactly. So part of it is definitely driven by industry. Um, another part of it is that when companies are planning their budgets, they're looking at the cost of labor. So how much does it cost to bring in someone with the right skills and talent um, in a geographic location. Um, and sometimes it's just a bit more expensive to bring in someone in, say, Vancouver than it is into Winnipeg. Um, within Greater Montreal itself, we're seeing that the bilingual talent shortage is starting to play um, a factor. Housing is becoming less affordable. I mean, it's not Vancouver, Toronto levels, but definitely becoming less affordable. Um, and then just mathematically in our survey, no companies reported an increase under 3%. That, that, that is, I would imagine, something you haven't seen in a very long time. Yeah, it's, uh, it was fun. When we first looked at the numbers, everyone was like, how is Greater Montreal the highest increase projection at 4.5%? Uh, and we connected with our, our Montreal Mercer colleagues and dove into the numbers and we're comfortable with what's going on. But right across the country, even even an average of, you know, almost 4% must be unprecedented. We haven't seen numbers like this in close to 20 years. Um, there's a, a pretty big increase compared to last year. Um, and companies are telling us that they're actually having bigger increase budgets than they've normally seen. Um, at this point, one in five employers are planning an increased budget of 5% or more, uh, which is almost twice as many as in 2022. Do you see it right across? There must be different industries where the where the combination of inflation and the demand for staff is such that they're forced to have to go out and try to spend more to attract what they need. Yeah, so the industries where we're seeing the biggest salary increase projections for next year are in high tech, um, life sciences, and the retail industry. Um, and really, the retail industry reflects um, a focus on the hourly workforce and that it's just so hard to bring in people um, to work in stores and restaurants right now. And you're seeing that those uh, that's true right across the country, I suspect. That's correct. What um, I mean, with these sorts of increases, what about work from home? Because people figure that maybe work from home might alleviate some of the problems of, say, hiring workers in Vancouver. Yeah, that's an interesting question, Ben. So a lot of organizations are still finalizing their approaches um, of how flexible they want to be. Now, one thing companies should consider is if they maybe don't have a lot of money to do salary increase budgets, flexible working and hybrid work arrangements are a, a low cost, high value 
offering um, that employers should and can consider. Elizabeth English is with us this half hour. She's a principal with Mercer Canada. We've been talking about uh, how companies are looking ahead to 2023 with a combination of high inflation rates, uh, inflation rates we haven't seen in 40 years, along with a labor shortage. And uh, add that all up, and companies are definitely looking at spending more on wages next year, not as much as inflation, mind you. And that uh, puts in, puts companies in a bit of a tricky situation because they need to be able to communicate to their staff what exactly uh, their expectations are or should be. And for employees as well, I imagine, Elizabeth, this is a, an interesting time because there are a lot of options on the table if you're in demand, for instance. Um, but you also want to be careful uh, because there are things out there. There are things you can ask for that are not salary, in other words. And I think you pointed that out in your survey, that companies that may not have as much money to hand out can also look at making the work environment more um, flexible. That's right, Ben. So base salary is just one component of what companies offer to their employees or their total rewards package. So you also need to think about things like your incentive programs, but other tools you might have like your benefits, your financial wellness offerings, even your vacation policies. And it's important for organizations to bring together all the different pieces into a total package and that they can articulate everything together. And, you know, sometimes it's not just all about the salary, but they need to be able to, to, to tell that story. So if I'm an employee looking for a raise and the raise that I'm being offered isn't quite um, inflation matching, uh, there are probably areas I could look to ask for other things that I might want. Exactly. So this is really an opportunity for employees to find out and decide what's important to them. And one of the things we know is that compensation is very unique for each individual. So some people, you know, having a really great fitness or gym reimbursement program is really important to them. For other people, it's having, you know, financial security around retirement or, you know, the commute is really easy. So this is really an opportunity for people to sit down and think about what matters to them and then potentially work with their employer to make that better or improve the situation. That must be a tall task for a lot of HR departments, because for so long, and this includes where I've worked, I mean, it has always been a bit of a one-size-fits-all system, right? Here's how many weeks you have off. Here's what we offer everyone. Everyone gets the same. Um, you know, here's what starting salary looks like, and so forth. It's always been quite structured, but it sounds like now uh, that companies have to get creative and also have to be able to communicate that to their staff. Right. So it's so important for HR professionals to find out what the employees actually care about. Um, and that can be done through focus groups or conjoint analysis um, and to understand the different segments within their workforce. So you might have a group of single people who, you know, don't really care about their dental program or their benefits, but they're re really interested in in cash compensation. You might have another group of employees that have families and need more flexibility or benefits like that. So breaking your, your employees kind of into personas and using different analytical tools helps the HR team create a program that works for everyone, but also has things that really appeal to the different segments. You did touch on this earlier, because I can imagine this would be a bone of contention, too, is that if you're paying people more to come into a company, and then it turns out that everyone you're hiring in now is making more than those who've already been there for a long time doing this very kind of work, 
I imagine that would also create some some potential uh, landmines uh, or pitfalls. Definitely, Ben. And that's one of the areas where we're encouraging our employers, our organizations and clients is to really address these equity issues that they've created themselves over the past few years by bringing in new hires at higher rates than their existing talent. And we know from talking to our clients, some of them are really going to use their increased cycle this year to address the problems they've created themselves. What is that? Because what would the impact? What are you hearing from companies about the impact? What are they worried about there that the employees that are being left behind will simply start to look elsewhere? I suspect. Exactly. It's that the employees that are left behind are going to start looking elsewhere. And then also, just from a, a personal standpoint, you might have been training or onboarding a new hire with a higher salary than you. And that just really creates a lot of negative feelings for many employees, as you can imagine, and that they're not being treated fairly and equally, which can really encourage people to look elsewhere. So if we add this all up, we knew that we know we're living through unusual times, at least for most people who uh, weren't around in the early 80s or weren't working in the early 80s. Uh, If you sum it all up in terms of what we're looking ahead to in 2023 for both employers and employees, what would you say are some of the key takeaways from your survey? Yeah, so some of the key takeaways are that organizations need to start managing employee expectations now. And if they're not going to give out inflationary level salary increases, They need to own that message that employees are not surprised. Companies need to lean into everything that they offer, not just base, and really highlight that it's a total package that includes benefits and vacation and financial wellness. We encourage employers to prioritize their investments, carving out a portion of their budget and focusing it on hourly workers or equity issues or their long-tenured, loyal and high-performing employees. And then really a lot of it's just going to come down to communication. Yeah. And for the employees themselves too, because you don't, you know, it is getting, I mean, people are working for less. I mean, that's what, that's what, that's what it is, right? If you're paying more for everything and your salary isn't rising at the same time, you're giving more of your time for less or as much of your time for, for less take-home wage when it comes to spending the things on the things you need. Exactly. And I think what's hard is that people see very concrete examples of how their daily costs have gone up, whether it's butter or cat food or housing or gas. Yeah. And so I, I guess managing, the, how long do you think this might last? Because that's always something that, that uh, that's talked about as well. I mean, this seems to be a window, but you wouldn't want companies to, to start to get too far ahead of themselves or employees for that matter. Right. So what's really interesting is that at this point in time, when we ran the survey, of the companies were still in their preliminary planning phase. And we know that a lot of the increased budgets are going to change in the coming few weeks and months. And we actually run a a repeat survey uh, in November to to, to capture what's changed. Um, But based on if the economy takes a downturn in the next couple of weeks, we we might expect these budgets to actually fall lower than 3.9%. On the flip side, if the economy kind of holds steady um, and the tight labor market continues, we might see these inch up a little bit higher than 3.9. So it's a very fluid market, and we're encouraging companies to plan for multiple scenarios, like a low, medium, and high increase. I look forward to seeing what they have to say in November. Elizabeth English, thank you so much. Thanks, Ben. Have a great day.